Good morning, church. Good to see you. What a great day it is. Home of the soul, amen? It's a great song, one of my favorite songs. Love to hear that and love to hear y'all sing it, man. What an edifying thing to hear the brethren sing praises to the king. If you're a guest here, we're glad that you're here. Brothers and sisters, I'm always glad you're here. Thank you for dedicating your first day of the week to the king because he is worthy to be praised, amen? He is the one that is the name above all names. He is the one that deserves all the preeminence. He's the one who deserves all the glory. And what an awesome thing that it is to be his child. And the title of this lesson this morning is exactly that. Jesus is the reason. We just partook of the Lord's Supper to remember what he did for us, the sacrifice that he made for us. The least we could do is serve him with all our heart, with gladness and joy. The least we could do is go tell somebody about the hope that's within us. Don't we owe it to them? Aren't we debtors to those who are lost in this world that are dying with no hope? Isn't it something to spur us, to want us to tell somebody just how awesome Jesus is? Amen? Last week, we talked about the impact that we have on others. The things that we do, the things that we say, whether good or bad, affect other people. We discussed those who made Paul uh, have an impact on his life and brought him comfort and brought him encouragement. And you know what a blessing it is to be surrounded. And we talked about this in, in our Wednesday night class last week in Matthew. What a blessing it is to be surrounded by like-minded people. No wonder Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 50, whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. You know, I appreciate the Tuesday morning Bible study class because all of a sudden I've gotten a whole lot more mothers, man. It's awesome. I got about 15 mothers that helped keep me straight, so I appreciate that. Like-minded people wanting to do God's will. Isn't that true, though? Whoever does God's will, Jesus said, that's my family. See, that's who I want to be surrounded by. That's who I want to be a part of my life. Why? Because they make an impact for me for the greater, for the better, so as we begin chapter 3 this morning, the theme, he kind of shifts a little bit, is this. A Christian is to rejoice and be firmly rooted in Jesus and what he has done for us. And not in our own heritage or our personal accomplishments. Think about that. When we do things for the Lord and people are encouraged by them... There's a temptation that Satan wants to present before us. And if we're not careful, we can fall into this trap. He wants us to realize that we have done that, that we have accomplished it, that we, we, we have done it. He wants us to forget the main purpose for why we're doing good. 
Paul wants the brethren to be reminded in Philippians chapter 3, and really Philippians chapter 3 is a powerful thought to remind the brethren here in Philippi and to remind us here today that Jesus is the reason, period. You know, you hear that a lot. Jesus is the reason for the season. But here's the truth. Jesus is the reason, period. Amen? Period. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Verse 7 says, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. The first thing to consider this morning is exactly what Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord. Paul makes clear this command, that the source of rejoicing is the Lord. See, this is really the theme of the book. He, he starts it in the beginning in chapter 1, verses 4 and 6, when he says that he'll pray with joy for these brethren because he's confident of this, that God who began this good work in, him, in them, he will perfect it until the day of Christ. He also in uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 and 18, Paul rejoices in his imprisonment. And even in the fact that there were haters amongst the brethren towards him. But he knew that God was using both situations, this imprisonment and these haters in the, in the brotherhood for God's glory. And in that, Paul said, I will rejoice. Paul was not dependent upon circumstances for rejoicing. Now hear this one. Paul was not dependent upon circumstances for rejoicing. His rejoicing came from seeing God at work in the midst of the circumstance. Amen? You see? Paul was rejoicing to see God work through whatever the circumstance was that he was presented with, whatever the Philippian brethren were presented with, whatever Timothy was presented with, whatever Epaphroditus was presented with. He wanted to see how God was going to work through that situation for his glory. See, the same should be true for us. Rejoicing is dependent upon perspective not circumstances. See, what's your perspective? How do you see things? Children of God should always have an attitude of rejoicing in their hearts. Amen? Because we know that our God, you want to know why we should always have a heart of rejoicing? You know, this makes me so happy. This makes me so joyful. 
Because I know that the God that we serve is not limited by anything. No limitations. You remember Jesus said, with men it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Paul will go on later to say in Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, there should always be rejoicing in our heart. There always should be this feeling of joy because we know that our God loves us, he cares for us, and he will take care of us. You're here today, aren't you? How many of us have problems going on right now? How many of us have situations going on? And today, here you sit, to God be the glory. Great things he has done, amen? While many people leave themselves dependent upon circumstances, Paul shifts While people leave themselves dependent upon circumstances for happiness, there is also this other happiness that we have to be careful of. These other people, maybe, and I hope that you're not one of them, rejoice in themselves. Paul wants the brethren to be reminded against this attitude, and he wants them to realize that this will not work. At the end of verse 1, Paul says, For me to write the same thing to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. See, the Greek on that word safe is a safeguard. See, it's not tedious for me to keep writing you the same thing. No, it's a safeguard for you. Why? Why is that? Because we need to be reminded, don't we, brethren? (laughs) Boy, I do. Matt, you going to take the trash out? It's Friday. Babe, I got it. You want to know what happens when Aaron don't remind me that the trash is Friday? The trash don't get taken out. Guess how much trash I got in my trash can right now? It's full. Because Aaron didn't remind me. I need to be reminded. How about you? You probably don't fall victim to that, especially the fellas up in here, right? It's a good thing to be reminded about things we have previously been taught. Why? Because it's easy to forget. No wonder Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 2, For this reason I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right as long as I'm alive, he says, to stir you up by reminding you. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 says this, not Matthew 7. Uh, Maybe I'll get there. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. Why? Because if not, we will drift away. But what is Paul wanting them to be reminded of? Look at what he says, verse 2. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. The Greek word beware right here means to look or to see or to perceive, to take heed to, to watch. Paul wants them to carefully carefully observe people. Why? So they would be aware of the true nature of a person. You remember Jesus said, Matthew chapter 7, verse 20, Therefore, by their fruits, talking about false prophets, false teachers, you will know them. 
Beware of dogs. Now, I just talked to Bethany about this, and I may have said this to you, and I do not mean this in a bad way. I say, when I talk to people sometimes, what's up, dog, right? I say that. We've come a long way from the first century. See, in America, dogs are loved, right? We've got pets. We've got dogs that are in the house that we love and feed and take care of. But in the first century, this was strong language. It was fitting for the nature of the type of people that Paul wanted them to be aware of. In the ancient world, dogs were viewed as unclean. They were viewed as filthy animals. They ran in packs because they were vicious and they were dangerous. They were the ones who ate up dead bodies. They were the ones who took care of things on the road that was nasty. They were those types of scavengers. This term is used throughout the Bible. Isaiah 56 verses 9 and 11 is a reference to this talking about uh, how the, the, the characteristics of a dog is uh, used as a person who is unholy or dangerous. Paul said, beware of these people because not only are they scavengers for the weak, they'll be evil workers. Paul had in mind the Judaizers of this day who wanted to mix Christianity with Judaism. But brethren, this is running rampant in our world today, is it not? The truth being blended with error, and all of a sudden, if you're not careful, you can't see where it's the difference. This was a problem in the early church. This is a problem for today. But the, the Jews who had obeyed the gospel, Jews who were uh, against Christianity, they wanted to make sure that these Christians, if you were going to be a child of God, that you made sure that you followed the Mosaic law and you kept it. They demanded that even Gentiles had to be circumcised in order to be saved. And we know in Acts chapter 15, when the Jerusalem council came together, they discussed these things. And they heard different arguments, and they determined that salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? And not by keeping the law of Moses. See, it was works, it was works, it was works. The key ingredient was missing. See, you can have it wrong both ways. If it's just believe only and do nothing, that's not correct, is it? But if you're all the way on the other side and it's works only but nothing else, is that right? The Pharisees was pros at that. In Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13, uh, this is what the Lord said. Inasmuch, and Jesus refers to this as well. Inasmuch the people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me. And their fear toward me, it's not what I said to do. It's what they said to do. See, they draw toward me because of the commandments of men. Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. What does that mean? Paul says that these dogs and these evil workers were destroyers of the truth. But even today, 
Think about this application. Who your family is, how long they've been a part of the church, what you've done. See, that doesn't impress God. Amen? Oh, he's pleased with it because you're doing what you're supposed to do. But when you have an attitude that God owes you something because of what you've done, we've got it wrong. See, we've got it wrong. We can't be good enough. We can't work our way to heaven. The false teachers were fixed on who they were and were binding this on the Christians. Brethren, this happens today in the church and it's a scary thing. This is the perfect description of this attitude though. Watch the application, brethren. Galatians chapter 6, verse 13, he says, For not even those who are circumcised keep the law. <laughs> but they desire to have you be circumcised so that you, they can boast about you being a part of their team. You remember when Jesus talked about that? You go around trying to get a proselyte. He was talking about the Pharisees. And you finally get one. And what happens to them? They become even worse than you. Because of your attitude. Because of how fake you are. Boy, you want to pin it on somebody, but really when it gets back to you, no heart, whitewashed tomb, all about the show. All about being able to bind something on somebody because it makes you feel better. Circumcision was the sign God gave to Abraham. And all his descendants to identify them as the people of God. Genesis 17, verse 10. The circumcised eventually became a reference for the Jewish people. But here we see Paul doing something. He changes this. He calls someone else the circumcised. The true circumcision. Look at verse 3. For we are the circumcision... Who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Verse 3 says that Christians are the circumcision. This is an incredible thought. Follow, follow this. The ones who worship God in spirit, the ones who rejoice in Christ Jesus, the ones who have no confidence in the flesh are the circumcision. See, this isn't a physical this is a spiritual situation. Real children of God understand why they serve the Lord, <coughs> excuse me, and rejoice in Him because they know to point out someone to Jesus is salvation. Think about what Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12 says. It says, in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. How does that happen, Paul? Well, you're buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. This is an awesome thought. 
See, Galatians chapter 6, verse 15 says this, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. You get no more benefits from being uncircumcised or circumcised. Here's what you get. You get to be a new creation. Down with the old, up with the new. How awesome is that? See, the proof of being a Christian is determined when we put ourselves in Christ. Obedience to the gospel is understanding his works is what matters and not ours. See, it's not by our works that we're going to get anything, but it's definitely by his, amen? We would all say that that's true, right? By his works. You can see it in Colossians chapter 2. Buried with him and raised to what? By the working of God. True worship then is responding to who God is and what he's done for us. Worship in spirit is to give praise, is to give honor, is to give glory to God. Why? Because he's worth it. Not somehow earning something from him by checking off the list and showing it to him. See, our worship of God is to be done both in spirit and truth. If you haven't gotten anything out of the lesson, here's the point right here. And please catch this one. This requires a heart that responds to God not only with praise to him, with not only worship to him, but also with resolve to change any area of life that doesn't match up to the truth. Think about it. Oh, I worship him. Oh, it may even be something that really gets down to me, but it's not enough for me to change my life. Is that real worship? You know, as I sit here and I study this lesson, you want to know what I need to get out of this for myself? I need to look to Jesus even more. See, I need to lean on him even more. Why? Because without him, I would be nothing. Nothing. Oh, I could do some things and people may talk about me, but in Christ Jesus, I am his soldier. I belong to him. I am his child. Oh, that's an incredible blessing. Do we have a heart that responds to God with praise and worship? Do we have a heart that will change any area of life that doesn't match God's truth? See, worship is to be done both in word and deed, amen? And as we give him the sacrifice or the praise of our lips with thanksgiving, Hebrews 13, 15, our lives become conformed to the image of Christ. See, the Judaizers that Paul was battling, they were struggling to realize that as Paul said in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, we talked about this Wednesday night as well, for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision or uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Now hear this, 
You want to know when we make the biggest difference on somebody's life? You want to know when people are really affected for God's glory? You want to know when that happens, brethren? When we love Christ the right way. When our love is right, we can change the world. How many multitudes of people would go to see Jesus? Well, Matt, he's not here. <laughs> see, it's different, man. Have you talked to somebody about him to, to see if that's true? You know, I've talked to four or five people. I've talked to six or seven people that didn't want to hear it. But I talked to two people that wanted to hear it. And I could see it in their eyes. I could see it in their face. When I started talking about Jesus, it started changing their life. Is that not enough? Is it not enough? Look at Paul's example as we close. Verses 4 and 7. 4 through 7. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ." If Paul were to compare himself to the dogs, if Paul were to compare himself to the evil workers, if Paul was to compare himself to the mutilation by the same basis as they valued themselves, he would have reason to have confidence. He would have reason to boast, wouldn't he? Because Paul surpassed all of them with his own deeds of the flesh circumcised on the eighth day, got that one checked. I'm of the stock of Israel, man. I come from the original crew. You want to know why? Because I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. Check. He said, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. You think you know a good Hebrew? You think you know somebody who knows the knowledge of the law? Come try me. I'll surpass all of them in some knowledge, in some study. It was a reference to his strict adherence to the Jewish heritage. Paul, as to the law or concerning the law, he was a Pharisee. Though few in number, this Pharisee group, they were influential in, and they were well known for their obedience to the law, but that law was always according to their own traditions, right? But Paul was not a passive member of this group. He had a zeal to persecute the church. Now, why was that? See, he was devoted in his beliefs and viewed Christianity as a threat to God's law. And therefore, Christianity deserved the greatest punishment that he could bring against it. All of this resulted in Paul being as to righteousness or concerning righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. See, this doesn't mean that he was sinless, but rather he met all the requirements to be in the club. 
He met all the requirements to be the guy and really to take it a step further and say, I'll actually go get the Christians and bring them back, even exalted him more so. People feared him. But you want to know what happened to Paul? You want to know why I love Paul so much? You want to know why I appreciate him? Because he knew the reality of being of the true circumcision. Worshiping the right way. Worshiping in the spirit of God and placing no confidence in the flesh. And that reality happened when he was blinded on the road to Damascus. You remember the change in Paul? You remember what happened after he came out of the waters of baptism? What happened? It says that he went out preaching Christ, man. No wonder he says in verse 7, whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted loss. I've thrown them away. Why? Because all that matters is Jesus. Nothing compares to what Jesus can do in our lives. Do you believe that? See, I know that I was once lost in sin, but you know what happened as the song says? Jesus took me in. You know what happened? Then a little light from heaven filled my soul. Huh? How about you? Jesus was willing to keep his mouth shut when they made fun of him and they mocked him. Could you imagine sitting up on the cross? You know, I I have a hard time when people make fun of me. I'll just be honest with you. I've gotten a lot better, but man, I tell you what. If somebody makes fun of me and starts picking on me really hard, I'm going to get mad. How do you think Jesus felt? He's human just like you. He's human just like me. But he said nothing. Why? Because he loved you so very much. Paul said, everything that I gained, all the people that would brag about me, all the people that would exalt me, it was nothing in comparison to the love that Jesus has for me. And man, it drove him, didn't it? Many people pursue uh, being religious. Being religious in order to have peace with God. But no peace is possible for those that try to work their way to heaven. No amount of work can reach God's standards. Amen? But Christians can rejoice in the Lord because he proved his love for all time and eternity by paying the ultimate price for all of humanity. And he will fulfill his promise to return and take with those Forever and ever, the ones who love him, the ones who follow him with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their mind, 
with all of their strength. See, without him, we can do nothing. But with him, we can do everything. Would you say that this is true in your life? All to Jesus. I surrender. All to him. I freely give. Maybe today is the day that you change your ways. Maybe today is the day that you become his child. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Peter said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Today is the day of salvation. Don't miss the opportunity to be added to his family. And when you do those works, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Absolutely. Jesus said that the words that I say are the things that I'm going to judge you uh, on the last day with. Uh, Yeah, that's true. So uh, Jesus wants us to follow what he says, but are they a burden to us? Are they something that we use to exalt ourselves with? Or is it something that we do because we love him so much? That's the question. That's when difference is made in people's lives. Maybe you need prayers, whatever you need, please come right now. Together we stand and sing.